it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, 
explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Welcome back to this episode of the CPG Guys. I'm, of course, Sri, one of the aforementioned CPG Guys. My co-host, none other than Mr. Bond himself, the man with the radio voice, and the VP of Strategy at Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform. Please join me in welcoming to the show my co-host and friend, Mr. Peter Viespan. What's going on these days, sir? Hey, Shri. Greetings. You know, just getting ready for the holidays. Uh, big event. Uh, it'll be the first Christmas my daughter, Nadia, is t- totally cognizant of, so I think she's going to go... Christmas present crazy, but uh, as as evidenced by her Halloween experience of get more candy. But other than that, life is going pretty great. And getting ready for the big food coma event coming up at the time of this recording. That was two weeks ago. But first, a reminder to all audience that you can find all our content on cpgguys.com. That easy. Just go to a browser, type cpgguys.com, and join this growing audience by simply following us on LinkedIn. How can you do that? Go to LinkedIn.com on a browser, go to the search bar, type CPG guys, literally CPG guys, and hit the blue plus button that comes, which is basically following our handle or our page on LinkedIn. That easy. Best of all, Peter, do you charge for this content? Well, guess what, Peter? Neither do I. So we don't charge for this content. It's free. So join the discussion, comment, drop us a message, whatever it takes, and you get to shape the show. You can also do this one other way, which is by going to ratethispodcast.com slash cpgguys and giving us your opinion and tell us who you like on the show and what you don't like about the show. The CPG Guys, of course, are a partner of the network of executive women, also called as new. In the middle of every episode is an Easter egg with information and content about new. Do scroll, and when you listen to the episode, when you download it, do watch out for what that Easter egg has to say on this episode as well. Our guest today is none other than the Director of Digital Finance Transformation for the iconic Unilever, Vandana Khanna. Vandana, welcome to the show. How are you? Pretty good. Very happy to be here. You know, before we dive into the questions that we've prepared for you, take a minute to explain to the audience and give us a brief overview of what exactly is your role at Unilever. First of all, I would say I'm also a member of New, so I'm super happy to hear that you guys are proudly supporting them. So could not have been happier. So for me, digital finance transformation, what does that mean? I lead next-gen emerging technologies and automation practices like artificial intelligence, machine learning, cognitive, and RPA. Besides that, I lead ERP implementations, operational excellence, data analytics, strategy, and change management. And most importantly, I'm a diversity and inclusion champion. So we're going to get through all of that, including change management, transformation, and what a diversity and inclusion champion means. But I want to also remind our audience that the best way for you to find out more about new, join new, is simply go to newonline.org slash cpgguys. That easy. One click, and you're in, and you can join. So let's get started. And all that Vandana said, including details about her, can be found on the digital liner notes of this podcast. So Vandana, let's kick it off and let's get into your career. Obviously, your career, if you notice on LinkedIn, has passed through several CPG brands. And some of them are my alma mater, such as Johnson & Johnson, PepsiCo, and uh, Core Finance, up, up top at the beginning with Dun & Bradstreet. For our audience, why don't you decompose what this means to be in Core Finance and then to be in CPG Finance 
And how different is the CPG finance world versus being at a core financial company? Let me explain it in three simple points. I would like to talk about similarities first. Earlier on in my career, when I was with CPG, the non-CPG, I was managing PNL, involved in month end, quarter end, year end close. Very much, a uh, I would say, corporate finance role, involved in forecasting, annual planning, very traditional role. So I did not realize any difference from that standpoint. And culture-wise, I also enjoyed the same autonomy in CPG and non-CPG. Let's talk about the brands. In CPG, you're talking about a tangible brands, multiple brands. And that's what I touched on when, when I was with these organizations. And same thing I'm doing at Unilever. And these brands, something you as a consumer, you can relate to. And as an employee, you can relate to. So if you're focusing on a P&L, you can think like an employee and as a consumer both to provide your insights. But in financial services, there is no tangib tangibility factor. So your focus on insights is mostly from an employee standpoint. Now, let me elaborate further with a, another point. Besides the corporate finance role in financial services, I was also involved in 10Q, a report that all public companies must submit to SEC after the end of their first three fiscal quarters. And then I was also involved in the content for MDNA, which is a section on company's annual report or quarterly filing where execs analyze the company's performance. So my role involved providing guidance to the street as well. In a nutshell, the definition of a broader finance function is usually different from a traditional CPG world. So that's what I got to experience when I was in non-CPG. So it depends on organization to organization, but I was fortunate to get uh, dip into the SEC reporting and MDNA. So hope that helps. Bandana, welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. We are very honored to have you here today. My question surrounds something that affects all of us, which is, of course, the pandemic. It has irreversibly altered shopping behavior, so it seems. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And in the role that you perform, how are you helping your organization respond to this? and to help Unilever win in this transformation? Great question, Peter. Very apt for now. And pandemic has shifted the ways consumer shop, we shop constantly, anytime, every time, and all the time. This is the world we live in 2020. And now we also did that in 2021 when everyone relied primarily on online shopping. So coming to my role, my role ensures we take care of the efficiencies. We eliminate redundancies and provide a seamless experience for our employees so that they can focus on analysis and spend more time in supporting the consumer first, customer first, which means they can rely on readily available information at their fingertips, like reports completed on time. This helps the teams provide the insights faster so that the items can ship on time and data can show the stock out position, for example, as triggers. This helped the team prepare very well in advance. So this is some, some of the things which, which I focus on in my role and focusing on being proactive instead of being reactive. Early warning signals through reporting. Availability of information transparently. Getting the teams ready for tools which will simplify the processes. And then another aspect is migration to cloud where security and privacy is so important. 
All of these important elements of transformation help finance team members act rapidly with judgment and database insights. You are using the cutting edge tools with the involvements of bots and AI. Needless to say, the transformation propels you further with speed to serve your customers better with accuracy and faster with insights and predictability. And last but not least, digital transformation is breaking those historical silos and highlighting the interdependencies between organizations, making the work more seamless than before. And there was a study which said that whatever we achieved in 2020, we had not achieved in 10 years. So it definitely propels you further, faster, and DT, or I would say digital transformation is preparing the workforce for the future, which is here now. You know, Peter, Vandala is the first person to come to this show and use so many adverbs in one sentence. We had everything from agility, transformation, speed to decision-making, actionable insights, and also forecasting for the future all bundled into one. You know, we could do a whole episode just decomposing every one of those words. And in that spirit, I want you to actually decompose a word for our audience that is on your bio on LinkedIn and perhaps you and I briefly discussed as well. And that word is data lake. Data lake is a big, giant, often misconstrued, misused word in the industry, especially from a tech perspective and for a business person. Um, decompose what that word means and then what's the benefit of a data lake for a business person, no matter what their function may be. And so data lake in simple terms, let's start there. It's a storage repository that holds vast amount of raw data until it is needed for analytical applications. So that is what data lake is. It is just a storehouse. And people confuse it with many things, but let's talk about traditional data warehouse. That stores data in hierarchical dimensions and tables. While data lake uses a flat architecture to store data, primarily in files of object storage. So maybe it might seem like a jargon, but the big takeaway would be it's a storehouse and it holds large amount of data. So start from there. And then let me explain a little bit further. So data lake can include structured data, semi-structured data like text files, unstructured data like emails, documents, PDFs, and something else also binary data, which we deal with every single day, but don't know what it is, is images, audio, video. So a data lake can be established on premise which is in any organization data center, we are used to it, or in the cloud, which is the new thing, but not so new anymore. So in order to implement a data lake, there are few steps to keep in mind. Again, I'm giving a very simplistic definition of it, but uh, start with setting up storage, move data in the right location, very important. Cleanse, prepare, catalog, and configure and then enforce security and compliance policies. So make data available for analytics and insight. That is the big thing with Data Lake. And let me, let me tell you something that this is easier said than done, but it takes a lot of time strategizing and preparing the teams and data to accomplish the process. And another thing which you mentioned, Shri, earlier on, what is the advantage? So, <coughs> I think I'm a sore throat. Another big advantage is besides being a single source of truth is that it helps in migration to newer versions of ERP. 
and if uh, most like most CPGs are going through that journey right now. So data lake is the right place to start with. So nice, simplistic, yet very tactical explanation I got bundled up in one video on the data lake. You're obviously one of the data experts here, but my biggest takeaway, tell me if I'm wrong, I'm asking the both of you, what I hear is a data lake, you can maintain data in its raw native format and a warehouse really tends to aggregate things up and down as required. But can I just piggyback and ask you then, if you have a data lake and you're storing raw data that way at, at its native format, is a warehouse necessary to be able to report against? Yes and no, depends on what you want to do. So uh, I would describe it more simply like this. So when you create a data lake, you can have multiple data pipes from different sources. And pipes means data sets which are floating or flowing into the data lake. So you can have a data warehouse, but this data warehouse can also flow into your data lake. So data lake actually becomes the massive storehouse of information in any kind of format. With data warehouse, you have to have a structure. Data lake, you have a lot of information, structure, no structure, no matter what it is. So that is why data lake becomes very important. And these days, there is another term floating around, which is called lake house, which is a combination of data lake and data warehouse. So there are many more terms. So, But the watch out with all these uh, terms is that it should not become a swamp, lake swamp. It should actually remain as a data lake. And that is what... We as proponents of technology always talk about, make sure you're mindful of what you're creating. It should actually be a lake, not a swamp. Otherwise you will suffer because the whole purpose behind is your employees, your users, and whoever is looking and getting into that data is able to get benefit out of it. They're able to get analytics faster. And that's the whole purpose behind this. And if they can't do it, then you might as well go with another simplistic solution. Shrey, I always thought the lake house was where my grandparents took me in the summer, but it's good to know that there, there's new application for this. Uh, thank you very much for that explanation. I dabble in this space a good deal, and I understand and appreciate the fact that things that aren't ASCII text, as you mentioned, things like images and videos, you want to be able to store them. The real power comes when you're able to query against the data lake and quickly get the information you need from that unstructured format. That's always the the really challenging aspect of, of manipulating a data lake. But what I'd love to know from you is um, going back to your to your finance roots, what role are you really playing? Uh, in this massive e-commerce transformation that's affecting our industry? Yeah, so great question again, Peter. So finance plays an important role in e-commerce transformation. And let me uh, explain it simply, uh, simply further here. So e-commerce transformation is very crucial to drive revenue. We all know that. In any organization right now, more than ever, because you heard about the reliance uh, of how the pandemic has shifted the models. But digital transformation in e-commerce space actually is a big driver of new business models, which will add to the top line, which I mentioned, the revenue. So when we talk about digital transformation in e-commerce, you're not talking just about savings where digital transformation takes the forefront, but by building new business models, you're focusing on revenue also. And that is the most important thing everyone is after. 
So when finance is involved as a business partner to support, they are there to help you with the right information about who your customers are, mapping it out, where you should focus on, and who will be profitable and driving revenue for you. Which customers are these? Where is the analysis behind where you want to ship your products, when to ship your products, and which omni-channel partner can do that job better? So there are many things in omni-channel, ship from store, ship to store, in-store pickup, and then so many, many other things which go on. So but how do you find out and who are the ones who can help you drive revenue? So the whole analysis behind it, finance leads that. And another big element is leading with the right metrics. Defining those metrics and that is where finance helps you. So I'll give a couple of examples like inbound, outbound web traffic. How many people are shopping? What are the sales of specific products? What are the demographics of your visitors and whom should you target? So segmentation. What are the daily, monthly, yearly purchasing trends and how do you segment it and showcase in that manner? Where should you focus again? Who is filling up the basket? Very important question when you're dealing with e-commerce. What is the value of that basket and what is your optimal threshold to generate revenue when you're focusing on those baskets? So again, finance provides all these insights and how can they provide when they have data at their fingertips? But when it is uh, completely, I would say, empowered with right data, predictive algorithms, and then that way you can entice the customers all the more. Hey, come and buy this. This is what big uh, organizations are doing. So besides supporting the PNL, finance pulls data, analyze all these metrics, which I explained. And these ingredients actually keep the e-commerce team ahead of the curve and uh, becomes more forward-looking rather than backward-looking. Before we continue with this week's episode, a brief message about new. The network of executive women is a growing community of over 14,000 professionals representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. This week, you can attend Empowering All Women, a fireside chat with the Honest Company on Thursday, November 18, 2021 at 8.30 a.m. onwards to 10 a.m. Pacific time, where you will hear from special guest speakers from the Honest Company who will share their career journeys and commitment to empowering and championing women in the workplace. For more information on how you can get involved with NEW, visit newonline.org slash cpgguys. And don't forget to tune in to the Advancing All Women podcast on Voice America, hosted by new president and CEO Sarah Alter. Listen every Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with rebroadcast weekly on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Download episodes after they air wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, folks, visit newonline.org slash cpgguys to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. Just a reminder for audience, we are speaking with Vandana Khanna, the Director of Digital Finance Transformation for none other than the iconic Unilever. So your role involves things such as designing the roadmap and path to scale emerging technologies, you know, words such as RPA, cognitive, intelligent automation capabilities. What are all these are these words just jargon or what do they actually mean for a business person? All right, let me explain to you because they mean a lot. They mean a lot. They do a lot. So when we define the roadmap, um, we have to understand where should we focus and with what technology. 
So where do you need that technology? Understanding the landscape first before you serve is the most important thing. So let's start with RPA. What is RPA? Simple definition is RPA removes existing workflow automation constraints, replaces repetitive processes with easily configurable logic-driven workflows. And then cognitive and intelligent automation are nothing but a subset of AI technologies that mimic human behavior. Very simple definition, but RPA is robotics process automation, and these bots should be working and mimicking human behavior, but more taking care of mundane and repetitive processes. So very important. Both of them are very important, and they augment each other. But these days, or even before, there is a concern, or there was a concern that bots and AI will take over the role of human beings. But a recent study suggests that 40% of businesses expect to expand their workforce and 25% expect automation to create new roles in the enterprises. Since modern day business decision making requires precise data driven analytics. So very important, the roles of these technologies is becoming more and more important as we talk about it. Data first, data driven approach. This is the number one priorities these days. Instead of replacing the staff with bots, companies choose to adopt smart strategies. And that is what staff augmentation is. And these techniques with RPA, AI, and machine learning, which is algorithm-driven, you are enhancing the workforce, human-based workforce, giving more power in their hands. You are empowering them to become citizen developers. That is also a term used around, but that is when you're working side-by-side with these technologies. So as a transformation leader, I have to strategize, design my plan, which I'm not only focusing on digital literacy, very, very important, but on enhancing and upskilling my people so that I can scale digital transformation faster. Shri, if bots were to take over our role, I wonder if that would be cognitive and intelligent automation or just routine process automation. I, Great I struggle think that. alike, Peter, because I was just about to ask you the question. <laughs> what the guys. Well, both of them will be needed, I must say. Some of the scripts can be taken by RPA. Some of it, it has to be intelligently driven by the AI. Peter, hidden the message is bad news. She's saying we, we are not needed. No, we are. We are. We are no, we are, you are absolutely needed. No, well, let's, let's, let's try and keep our, keep our value for as long as we can, Sri. Hey, so Vandana, you work not only, obviously, in your role in finance, but there are other financial teams within your enterprise, certainly supply chain and factory finance. And with all these supply chain constraints, I'm really interested to understand how you're helping them deal with the challenges that they're facing as well. Yeah, I think this is a big, big problem right now. And you have to be really proactive, which I used the term before also with real-time data and analytics and right reporting at the right time, getting rid of those inefficiencies so that supply chain teams can do their job faster. So one example would be like dashboarding, all done before time. So let's say someone gets a report or a dashboard at 8 a.m., which tells you what is the stock out position. This will actually armor these people in the stores, in the warehouses, that when should they ship, where should they ship, and they should be accurately prepared with the right data sets. And also the what if scenarios, this will help to plan and forecast better. All the predictive analytics, which I mentioned earlier, are very, very important in this uh, WHO world. And this is driving accountability with data. 
analyzing inventory storage cost, reviewing cost benefit analysis and looking at innovations before new products are created or even shipped, finding out the true cost to serve through data and automation, right sizing the transportation. And this is all where digital transformation helps. And these are and they cannot be done faster and better without automation and analytics. So if you unlock and remove the barriers with data, the teams can drive value faster. And that is where transformation helps. So VUCA world, we all know it, but it is real. It is happening. So how do you become more transformative by having uncertainty with you and using this uncertainty to your advantage? And that is where transformation comes in. Hey, Vandana, we have a rule here on the CPG, guys. Any acronym that's used, we love for you to de- we love for our guests to decompose it for our audience. You use the word VUCA. I know what V, what it stands for. It starts with volatile, but can you decompose the four words and what it actually means for our audience and how it's personal to you in your in your daily life? Yeah, it is volatile, uncertain, complexity, and ambiguity. So definitely we are living in a world which is very volatile. Nobody knows what is happening next. That is what 2020 showed us. And it is complex every single day. Who knew we will have these supply chain shortages and the inflation and the pricing challenges and ambiguity. Again, very, very much in line with the other three letters that there is so much confusion out there that people are not able to decipher how should they position themselves for future and for better. And that is where transformation has to play a strong role. Make sure they break down these barriers and give them the right ammunition in terms or with data, actually. And so I'm, I'm going to then go into another area that you spoke right off, right at the beginning of the show, you know, as spot a light for you at this stage, and that is being a diversity and inclusion champion, right? And especially if you look at the last 36 odd months, 20, then you get more micro the last 18 odd months. This is stronger meaning these days for diversity and inclusion for most people. How are you personally championing, championing inclusivity and belonging for people of color these days? Like, how, what does that word mean to you? And especially for people of color, how, how are you getting it done? So, Sri, let me break it down because I'm sure you will ask. So, what is diversity? Diversity refers to the characteristics that make people unique. Inclusion refers to the behavior and cultural norms that make people feel welcome. And belonging refers to an individual sense of acceptance. So I go beyond diversity and inclusion to belonging because belonging is a more stronger word, not just because it's a stronger word, but because it takes beyond the meaning of inclusivity. Unless people feel belong in an organization, they will not stay. And you know, we are living again in a very uncertain world where people are moving in and around. So how do you make sure these people feel comfortable where they are? They feel well respected. So diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging, everything has taken a very different meaning in the last almost two years or even before that. So for me, this is a passion point, and I have been championing this for several years because I know how I faced when I came here as an immigrant to this country. I came as a young adult to study and stayed here. So I know what happened. So my goal is to inspire people with my own story and tell them about those watchouts which they can actually avoid and not repeat and don't fall in the trap, which I did. 
And over time, I became a mentor and sponsor to many because that is what I wanted to do. I wanted to help as many women, especially, and of course, male who felt they did not find the place of belonging. So these words, what does it mean? Diversity includes gender, age, race, ethnicity, gender identity, religion, physical abilities, disabilities, language, region, state, country of origin, social class, thinking style, and the list is on and on. There's so many ways we can define and describe diversity. There is probably no end to that list because every time we find someone more diverse than before. But what it means is how you become inclusive and how you become aware of this, that there is a diverse person in our team or in our organization and how we respect that person with what they come along. Many times I hear from people that they don't see color. My challenge to them is become color aware and don't say I'm not color. I don't see the color because if you are color aware, you will appreciate the color and it is prevalent all around us. So the most important thing is find that uniqueness in every color and every individual who comes with a voice and with the color. So these right diverse candidates should be hired, developed programs to retain them and empower them is my mission. And that's where I focus my energy on. And it's an important step in the journey. Many organizations have already fully embraced that and running with full throttle, but the journey is just started. There's a lot more work has to be done to make sure our people feel welcome uh, and uh, empowered and feel the sense of belong belonging in the organization they are. So again, this work has to continue. I have to create clones for myself so that they can also champion this change. One voice is not enough and there has to be multiple more. And Vandana, if you notice the shirt that Peter has tastefully articulate created for us over here is colored rainbow for a reason. And uh, thank you for that explanation on diversity and inclusion. Peter, over to you. Yeah, I have to echo that, Sri. I know that you were talking about this on LinkedIn just yesterday. And a good friend of the show, Omar Haik from Bimbo, spoke very eloquently about how they have they have moved beyond the word inclusion and, and to Vandana's point, use the term belonging, because it really is about making people feel like they belong at this organization, not just that they're included in the journey, that they belong on this journey together. So let me close this out in our conversation today. If you're talking to other people who have a similar type of role in financial transformation of these organizations, you know, what is your advice to them on how they can deliver the maximum value in the roles that they are, they are pursuing? Yeah, amazing question, Peter. I would say that a person who is leading a transformation journey should not be scared to challenge the status quo. Rule number one, uh, you have to champion change. You don't have to be scared to call out inefficiencies because the transformation journey starts there. Because first you have to identify, you have to map out the landscape, you have to know the right stakeholders, but you have to have a strong voice and say that here is the here is the problem and here is how I'm going to resolve it. So streamlining processes, focusing on operational effectiveness, upskilling people, very, very important. You can never scale digital transformation if you don't take people along. You have to meet where the people are. You have to understand them. If they are apprehensive of getting on this journey, how do you take them along? How do you motivate them? 
And again, most importantly, it starts with digital transformation journey starts with focusing on savings first, which I mentioned earlier. But when that goes and your organization becomes mature, then the work shifts to new business model, which is where e-commerce and other models are there, IoT, or you're talking about other things which are revenue generating and transformative. So very important for people to do that. And another aspect I would say is persistence and patience. Very important. When you're driving the change and you are champion for it, don't lose that persistence and patience from you. Understand when you can make an impact and make sure people understand that you can make, make an impact. Don't be hard on yourself because people want to see the change faster. That's, that's the rule of thumb. When people want to see the change, they say, how quickly can you do it? But change takes a long time. Transformation is a journey. It cannot be done in a month or two months. It takes years. But again, big call out is everything should be measurable. If it is not, then impact will never be felt and you will not be able to change and challenge with data as your steer. So drive the change with KPIs. And then the ability of an organization to capture data, synthesize information, learn constantly, continuously, apply the insights at scale is a key differentiator in digital economy. That is also a leader should know. And when you're driving this journey in finance, you have data, you know what the PNL looks like. You should be working on how should I enhance, whether it's the top line or the bottom line. And what I would say in closing is digital transformation will have a different meaning altogether, maybe in a couple of years, who knows. But people who are driving it should be able to adapt and inspire as they go along. So I would say keep learning, keep inspiring to our audience and keep driving the change with that mindset you can unlock multiple opportunities because opportunities are plenty and bountiful. You just have to find them. This was one heck of a power packed episode, Peter, and you inspired both of us and our audience with a lot of things you said, you know, one thing that came to mind that you may have inspired us on today, and I will actually commit to it is Peter and I will do an episode on diversity inclusion today in the CPG industry. Uh, some sometime early in 2022 and we'd love to actually have you back to be on that panel with us as we put out a as we put out a podcast on that and we navigate what's going on these days especially with our partnership with the network of executive women as well so what a power-packed episode so i'm going to remind our audience that you can find all of our content easily on cpgguys.com easy way to get there go to your browser just type cpgguys.com do join this growing audience, growing leaps and bounds every day, part of transformation in CPG and retail. Simply go to linkedin.com, go to the browser bar, the search bar, and type CPG guys. A blue plus button will show up, also known as follow. And just like that, you can be part of this family. Voice your opinion. Give us suggestions. Tell us who you'd like to have on the show and what you don't like about the show. And the CPG guys are here for you. At the end of the day, we'd love to listen hear what you have to say to us. Vandana, what a great episode. Thank you for joining us today and articulating your views and also being gutsy yet bringing to us solid knowledge as well as solid perspectives on diversity and inclusion. So thank you for joining us on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I truly enjoyed it. My friend, Mr. Bond, what a pleasure doing this week over week with you. I'd love to get your perspective on how this episode went. Shree, anytime we get to talk about diversity and belonging, we're doing the right thing for this industry. It's why we partnered with 
the network of executive women. And then to couple on top of that, all of Vandana's deep experience in financial transformation. This is a power. You're, you're straight up right. It's a powerful episode. I'm glad we're able to bring this to our audience. And thank you, as always, for joining me on this journey. Thank you, Peter. And folks, thank you for listening into this episode of the CPG Guys. We will be back soon with another episode of PBSP and Shri, a.k.a. the CPG Guys. Thank you. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.